welcome back to another episode of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where well-known people tell me, Johnny Harvey, their coming out stories. And today's guest is Johnny Benjamin. Johnny first came to the public's attention in 2014 when he launched a campaign to find the stranger who six years previously had talked him down from the edge of Waterloo Bridge as he was about to take his own life. The campaign to find the Good Samaritan soon went viral and a few weeks later Johnny was reunited with the man who saved his life, Neil Laybourne. A documentary which followed Johnny's search and reunion with Neil was aired on Channel 4 in 2015. Johnny is now a mental health campaigner, public speaker and vlogger. He was awarded an MBE in the Queen's New Year's Honours list in 2017 and he set up his own charity, Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma. He's also an author and his incredible first book, The Stranger on the Bridge, was released last year and includes a foreword from none other than the Duke of Cambridge himself, Prince William. I've just finished it and it's a really honest account of his mental health struggles and I think it will be a source of great comfort to people who are facing similar issues. I met up with Johnny in London and we chatted about what it felt like growing up gay and Jewish, how he feels about the ongoing opposition to LGBTQ education in primary schools, the shame he felt over his sexuality, and how the struggle really impacted on his mental health, how he came out to his parents, the worrying mental health statistics for the community, and our shared admiration for the Queen of Pop herself, Madonna. Please leave a rating or review on iTunes as it really helps me and helps other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. You said yourself in previous interviews that when you were in school, you always felt really different growing up. Yeah, well, I mean, I always felt very different from like nursery. Like when I went to nursery, um, I would like play with like the Barbie dolls, and do you know what I mean? And like all the other boys would be like kicking a ball around, and yeah, I would be the I, I don't know as a, as a boy, I would uh, I loved dolls at the very beginning when I was like three. People, my family used to kind of laugh and find it funny. But then as I grew up, it was like, mm, come on, Johnny, like play with the action man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Play with them, play with the toy car, play with the train, stop playing with the dolls. Um, but I didn't want to, but I felt I had to. Yeah, it, I, I just felt really different. I felt really different to everyone. I spent a lot of time by myself in that school. Um, I just didn't feel like I fit in with the other boys. And that was, yeah, that was the theme of, of growing up, essentially not feeling like I, I, f- I just felt different all- when all my peers were like into like the current trend. I would be, I-, I wouldn't be. What was it that made you think, yeah, I am gay? Was there a definitive moment? Did you have a gay awakening? <laughs> well, I remember when I was like ten. I was in a, like, a restaurant with my family. It was someone's birthday, and uh, there was a waiter that I remember just feeling this uh, a male waiter that I felt this kind of attraction towards. And I remember thinking, like in my head, I was like shit like what what's going on like, why 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 have i got this attraction to this this guy this isn't happening this isn't right um i remember feeling really ashamed yeah and then uh, i remember after that i kind of just tried to suppress suppress it i, I had lots of girlfriends um, oh you did i did yeah in secondary school they, we, they only ever lasted like a few months and we never went very far but 
I'm from London and then yeah I went to university in Manchester and then it was in university when I knew when I really knew when, and when I felt like I needed to do something about it um, and that for me was uh, going on Gaydar yeah the what, what do you want to call it dating not dating site I don't know hookup site I guess of the noughties site. of the noughties yeah I know and that's how I, I started to go on there when I was in my third year of university. I was like, I've had enough of this, I need to experiment and I wanna I wanna explore. And so yeah, I went on there, I met first guy. Were you trying to clarify at that point whether or not you were gay or did you know or uh, I think I knew. I think I knew. Like I said I had lots of girlfriends. Even at university I had girlfriends. Um, and it just never ever ever felt right. And then I just wanted to be with a guy. I just wanted to yeah. And did you struggle yourself with accepting it or were you okay about it or Oh, massively, massively struggled. When I was when I first got together with this guy that I met on Gaydar, afterwards I felt such guilt and shame. And I, I think that, because soon after that I had a, break, a mental breakdown and I think that was a big cause of it, that, you know, being with a guy. And I was put into this psychiatric hospital at that point and, and my psychiatrist was really trying to sort of push me to talk about it because um, I kept avoiding the question when it came up, you know, about relationships, if I, about, you know, if I had any feelings towards men. I just pushed it away, I constantly pushed it away because I just couldn't, I really couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I was embarrassed, I was ashamed, I was scared, like what my family were going to think. My family are quite um, conservative, Jewish, you know. I thought they wouldn't accept it and I thought that um, I was going to bring shame on them as well in the community so it was just mm, it was a really difficult place actually to be in and so you do feel that the stress of carrying the secret did it exacerbate your mental health condition yeah massively 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 yeah because it did feel because i you know in my head i was like well how am i going to live my life because you know i'm going to have to pretend for the rest of my life. i just couldn't do it it just it just felt the weight of it felt too much to to have to pretend and live a lie i just Oh, just yeah, it felt unbearable to be honest. Yeah, I, I remember saying to my when I finally my, when my psychiatrist finally got it out of me that I was gay. I remember saying to him, "Look, I'm gonna wait till my parents die. Like I do not want my parents to know, so I'm, I'm gonna wait till they pass away." And he was like, "No, you have to, you have to, you have to come out. Otherwise, your your mental health is never gonna improve." So he kind of pushed me to <laughs> come out. And what was the fear around that time of what might happen when you did it come out? I think I was more scared, well no, I was scared of both my mum and dad's reactions. Yeah, I, I, it was their reactions, I was just scared that they were going to be disappointed. Disappointed and, you know, even reject me. There's a lot of pressure, I think, in not just the Jewish community, in, in a lot of religious communities in terms of like getting married, having families, reproducing and um, no one else in, at that time, no one else in my family, my friends, the community had ever come out as being gay. So. I was like, I can't be that person, I just can't. And around that time, did you experience homophobic bullying at school? No, because um, because I'd, I'd managed to keep it a secret for so long. Yeah, I'd, 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 I don't know how, but yeah, I managed to cover it up. I'd managed to cover it all up because of the girlfriends, because I had so many girlfriends. And so when did you officially come out? So I officially came out when I was 21, yeah, my... Oh, same age as me. Ah, okay. I think that's quite a common age, actually. Well, I don't know, I mean, I know quite a few people that come out, like, early 20s. But for me, yeah, my psychiatrist pushed me to come out. <laughs> and he literally, he was like, right, I'm going to get your mum in here right now and you've got to tell her. Which was uh, probably the hardest thing that I've done, I think, was, was sitting there in front of my mum and telling her. I just, 
I don't know. It was. Uh, I felt like the sky was going to kind of like cave in, and it was just the world was going to end. Obviously, it didn't. But yeah, I found that the most. And, and actually, with my dad, I found that really difficult. He, my dad's quite um, tough alpha male. And I, when I when I told him, I I couldn't look at him. I put my hands in front of my face. And I just, I just said, I need to tell you something. I told him, um, and it was hard. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it was hard. It was really hard. Pretty terrifying, isn't it? Like mm. your whole life and your relationships could be irrevocably changed. Mm, exactly. 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 Yeah. You don't. You just don't know what the reaction is gonna be. You just don't know. My dad was actually the most surprising because my dad was like, "It's fine." I was like, "Do you think he had an inkling?" I think he. Yeah, I think he did. My mum didn't apparently, but he did. And then, and then after that, I, I, I kind of, so I told my mum, I told my dad, I then told my friends, uh, but I waited a long time to tell my brother. I, I don't know why, looking back, I just, it, didn't, it doesn't make sense when I look back because yeah, he was, he's really laid back and open-minded. So um, <laughs> I don't know why, I waited like months and months and months and months uh, before telling him. It was easier telling friends than telling family, for sure. And in fact, my aunties, my uncles, I never told, they just have kind of worked it out, do you know what I mean? My friends, I mean, they were just cool. They, 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 were, they were absolutely fine. The whole thing was just a relief when I just finally came out and, you know, it just literally felt like a massive weight off my shoulders to finally not have to hide it. And so when you came out, overall, you didn't lose any family members or any friends or anything like that. For the most part, it, it went reasonably yeah. well. Yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, it did, it did, it, 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 it did, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. Because, you know, I had friends that uh, were, were chucked out of home, you know. It's very common still. Um, it is, isn't it? Um, or, or, or their parents stopped speaking to them. So I feel very lucky that, yeah, my, my family and my friends were, um, it was difficult for my parents, I'm not going to lie, it was, they've, they've struggled with it, I think, over the years. But... The fact is that, yeah, the relationship essentially didn't change between anyone. So, yeah, massive relief. Just massive relief. Yeah, best thing that I ever did, I think, coming out. I can't imagine, like, now I'm 32, I can't... Because, if I'm honest, I still have a few friends in the Jewish community that I know are gay that have told me, but they can't... They, they say that they can't come out because of, you know, worrying about their parents' responses, and I just... Yeah, I can't imagine now still... I, could, yeah. I just, I don't think I could carry on living that. There are people who have oh, to carry it their whole lives yeah. and they're still, they're considerably older than us and they're still yeah, grappling with it. Absolutely. And it's just really, really tough. It is, it is, yeah, and I really feel for them, to be honest. I'm not very good at kind of hiding things now. I, I, I just, I do, I feel a massive weight, you know. I feel my, my, I feel such a guilty conscience when I'm hiding things from people. So I feel like I have to be honest, but yeah, it must be really tough having to constantly live that. And just monitor everything you save. I remember when I was growing up, because um, I uh, <laughs> I was into Madonna. I liked Madonna's music, and she was just kind of seen as a gay icon. I, I I started listening to a lot of her music in like my mid-teens, and um, my brother saw that I was listening to lots of Madonna, and I I, I, I panicked that you know um, he would think I was gay because I was listening to Madonna. She's a gay icon, so everyone knows that, don't they? Yeah, it seems to exactly. Be a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, so yeah. I was, I remember panicking and, and, and kind of trying to, nah, I'm just, nah, it's, I'm not really interested in her, do you know what I mean? But I was, I was really interested in her. Yeah. So... It's really exhausting, yeah. constantly having to censor yourself. Absolutely, it really is. And it's, yeah, it's not good for, obviously, your mental health. It's, it's, 
Yeah. I, I was a, I'm still a huge Madonna fan mm. but I think when I heard that Madonna was a huge gay icon I felt mm. a real stab of panic I got a real like <laughs> it kind of confirmed oh yeah mm. like, you must be gay okay but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, she has such a huge huge gay following so I yeah I had to be quite conscious of my diva worship <laughs> and keep it relatively quiet what was uh, what was your kind of first uh, Madonna's song or album that you the first was Ray of Light in 1998 ah, yeah. then I bought because before that I was a bit terrified of her during the sex period yeah. so she was a little bit um, intimidating <laughs> to like an 8 year old sure yeah sure and then I got the Immaculate Collection a few months later <laughs> and then I kind of became obsessed with her so yeah. that, that was that was it that's exactly the same as me I think Ray of Light and then Immaculate Collection and um my kind of anthem was was Live to Tell, uh, because you know it's like she's because oh, yes. she's in in Live to Tell in the song she's keeping this kind of she what the lyrics are um oh god I'm gonna have to sing it now no um that's why go ahead no 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 I'm not <laughs> definitely not singing it um I hope I live to tell basically I hope I live to tell the secret that I've been carrying and I guess for me that was like yeah I hope I also you know yeah. get to kind of finally reveal the I know that song was about. Kind of, I think her marriage to Sean Penn was it? Or was it? I, anyway, basically, it was all about carrying a secret, wasn't it? And and yeah. and so for me, that was kind of yeah, I, I related a lot to that song. I remember. Yeah, I can see how that really resonated with her gay audience. That song in particular. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, has it ever been an issue as you've gone through life being gay? Have you ever experienced any homophobia at work or anywhere else? No, actually, I, I just yeah, I've. Well, I mean, I've, at work, <laughs> I've struggled to um, come out at work when I've been in workplaces. Well, I, I had a lot to deal with myself, I think, in terms of, you know, uh, internalised kind of personal homophobia towards myself, I think. I had a lot to deal with. Yeah, when, when I was was in different workplaces, I, I did, I struggled to, to, to come out and, and be honest. It took, took me a while, for sure. But no, I mean, I've been lucky. I haven't really... Um, I haven't really experienced homophobia, so yeah, really, really lucky. And I started blogging in my mid twenties, and there's been lots of like stuff online about, you know, kind of because I've made videos about coming out, and yeah, there's been personal attacks there, but not in person. It's more been online, you know. Yeah. That's inevitable, though, in a way, not yeah. justifying it, but once you go online in a big mm. way, bros, you know, unfortunately, those people are going to be there. Has uh, that been quite bad or? Mm. It's, it's never been uh, I think I've grown a bit of a thicker skin now about well I think uh, online comments people are just uh, they can be pretty mean online they can say what they want because they're hiding behind the computer screen so but yeah in person I haven't really touched wood I haven't kind of uh, been the victim of any homophobia in person I think there is new legislation being introduced where people do have to be they can't hide behind a a pseudonym or a, mm. they have to make their real identity known okay. which would be much more helpful wouldn't yeah. it, for using social media absolutely yeah I mean people get away with particularly on I find YouTube people can be so horrible and nasty it's unbelievable it, it really <laughs> and not just YouTube but yeah Twitter and I think Twitter and YouTube for me are the worst Instagram people are a bit nicer I don't know what I find um, yeah, so Twitter critical. has a bit of a reputation. Yeah, it? I mean, but again, I try and try and not take it to heart when people are nasty. Yeah. You can't take it personally. Yeah, it's easier said than done. I know. Of course. I know. I know. Yeah. 
So mental health statistics for the LGBTQ community um, always seem to be completely disproportionate to the rest mm. of the general population. So just some research I was looking at recently, uh, according to Stonewall, half of LGBT people experience depression and three in five have suffered from anxiety in 2018, which is really worrying to hear when you mm. hear those kind of figures. So what do you think yourself needs to be done in schools and what educational reforms would you suggest to address these issues? Well, I think there needs to be more support. I mean, because I do a lot of work in schools and yeah, often I see there's just not enough. Maybe the school have got a counsellor one day a week, but it's not enough really. But again, I think, yeah, there needs to be more in terms of uh, yeah educational awareness, but more people coming in and, and, and talking about you know, their lived experience. I think, I know if I would have had someone come in at school and talk about being gay or struggling with their mental health, it would have helped so much. Um, so that's why, you know, I go into schools now and talk about my own experiences to help in case other young people are struggling. So yeah, I, but the frustrating thing is that schools have so much focus on like the curriculum and kind of the, the academic pressures, exam results, lead tables. Do you know what I mean? The, um, for me, the really important stuff gets lost, which is really frustrating. I think there needs to be so much more in, in schools. Yeah, both about mental health, but also sexuality as well. Doing one PSHE lesson in a whole school career is just not enough. It really isn't. And schools are starting to recognise this. Some schools are. And, and some schools are doing like good stuff, you know? There's a great organisation called Diversity Role Models. I don't know if you've come across Diversity yeah. Role Models. But they send people um, who are LGBT plus into, into schools to talk about their experience of coming out and dealing with it. And I think that's great. I think all schools should have that, to be honest. It's a great organisation, actually. And, and, you know, often they'll get challenged by some of the kids, you know, who, who maybe this is the first time they've ever heard someone talk about, you know, coming out. And so, um, but it's really important that, that kids hear that. And from a young age, I think, as well. Wait until kids get to sick form I think it's too late, do you know what I mean? Um, we need to be talking about it from a, from a younger and younger age. Because also what we're seeing now more and more in schools is more and more young people are coming out at a, a younger age. More and more young people are transitioning earlier on. Do you know what I mean? So it's important not just for the pupils, but the staff as well. Because teachers don't know how to deal with it sometimes. So they need more training, they need more support. Uh, particularly if someone's transitioning, you know, I've been to schools where teachers don't know what to do, really, or, 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 or what to say, or there's so much that comes up when someone's transitioning, you know, around like changing rooms or toilets and, you know, things like that, and I think schools just don't know how to deal with it, and yeah, I think, and it's, and it's happening at quite a rapid speed, so I just, I wish there was more, yeah, training, education, um, support for schools, I think, um, and for teachers and for pupils, and for parents, there's actually parents as well, it's another one. I think there needs to be more education pieces for parents, you know, around this subject in particular, and mental health. I think, again, it would have helped my parents, I think, if they had been brought into school and heard someone share their experience of coming out, and yeah, I think it would have massively helped. So we need to kind of target everyone, I think, that's involved in a young person's education. You know, yeah, everyone be on the same page. And um, what can family and friends of the LGBT community do, particularly during those formative years? I know you mentioned about your parents and mm. they didn't really um, know much about being gay or what that meant. Well, I think more, um, more, more like books, more resources. I mean, there are some great books now that yeah, you can read to your kids, you know, yeah. um, where there's 
two mums, two dads that are in the story, and that's great. You know, I think it's great for the kids and for the parents. So yeah, reading those types of, of books with your kids is, is is one example of something that you can do. We yeah, we we just we need more more allies, don't we? I think. I know my friends, they, um, particularly my friends that are, are my straight friends, kind of. I do a lot of work in, 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 in both mental health and sort of LGBT plus community, and they're really keen to support the mental health stuff, but I don't know, they're still a bit, um, if there's any like pride, if pride for example, or um, any marches, or do you know what I mean? They're less, I think, so we need to encourage more, more allies. We need to. And what do you think that means to be a good gay ally? Well, uh, yeah, going with to, um, you know, any, any marches or, or protests or I've been to kind of protests and it's usually just the LGBT plus community that are there. It's, I don't know, it's quite rare, I think, to have allies. We need, yeah, we need more allies. So, yeah, I think um, going with to, I, I know as well, like if I, um, <laughs> with my friends, if I'm going out to uh, a gay club, for example, my straight friends won't come with, um, whereas I obviously have to go to straight clubs do you know what I mean yeah I wish or, or things like film even films like a lot of straight lads that would still have a hang up about yeah. that yeah they're like oh, uh, oh what if someone is attracted to me what if I get touched or yeah. and I'm like well I have to go to your straight clubs or I have to see the straight films do you know what I mean even the cinema like there's been you know various films that I've seen over the years that I thought it features gay characters or um, gay relationships and my straight friends are like oh I don't want to see that no it's because yeah, I'll happily go and see with them to see, I don't know, a film about a straight couple, but they're, they're, they're just very resistant to, it's interesting actually. Uh, I read an interview on Buzzfeed, I think it was last year, and I just wanted to run the idea by you now. Uh, it was with a guy called Professor Dinesh Vogra, I think I've definitely mispronounced that. Uh, he's the president of the World Psychiatric Association, and he suggested sending counsellors into gay clubs where the LGBTQ community are and where they can talk about their issues. Mm. So what do you think of that idea? Yeah, I mean, anything really to reach the community. I think sometimes, yeah, we do have to go to them rather than wait for them to come to us. If it's particularly around mental health, because there is still a stigma, you know, people don't like going to their doctors or, you know, and especially if people are maybe drinking in clubs or bars they might be more likely maybe to open up so I do I think it's yeah I think it's there's definitely something in there for sure yeah and so much of the gay culture is obsessed with surface and with body image Mm. and hedonism so do you think that can impact quite negatively on people's mental health Mm. as well yeah massively massively I mean um I wish that there were in like the LGBT plus media I wish there was more representation of um, everyone. I just tend to see in... in it's improving though, isn't it? I think so. A little bit. Yeah. But still, if you think of the covers of like Gay Times or Attitude yeah. Magazine, it's always... Someone's got their top off and they've got a six pack. Or, yeah, that's yeah. true. Do you know what I mean? I just... I think that does, it causes... Yeah. Or, or even if, you know, you go to... Um, if I think of like going to Soho in London and you go to the bars, you see the posters on the walls of... Again, it's always men with their tops off who are like six packs or perfect kind of. I mean, I'm sure they've been photoshopped, but we're just constantly bombarded with those, you know, sort of images of what they call the perfect body, and that's not healthy, I don't think. Um, it's constantly reinforced just all the time. Yeah. Now, especially with Instagram. 
I know. <laughs> oh my god, Instagram. I see. I, I really love Instagram because um, it's more, it's more, it's more positive, I think, than other platforms. But I, I'm really choosy about who I follow now. I, 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 I'm trying to follow more like people in the body positive movement. So people like um, someone called Body Posy Panda. Do you know Body Posy Panda? Oh, she, she's her. awesome. So she. This is all about celebrating her plus size body. Bryony Gordon as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Again, uh, she's just all about. Okay, this is me. I've got plus size body, but yeah, I'm absolutely happy with it, and I think it's really positive seeing that because I do tend to find actually, yeah, on social media, following kind of gay men in particular, often I don't know. I just see these kind of uh, these people that are always on holiday or having lovely meals or with their tops off with their six packs, and I'm just like, oh, it's just not me. It's just not me, and it makes me feel shit, if I'm honest, like, you know. And mostly it is really hard for people who are feeling vulnerable about their bodies. What annoys me as well about Instagram is, um, I, I keep on getting adverts of, uh, you can, like, uh, add, add a six-pack, you know, um, uh, to your body by pressing these buttons, do you know what I mean? Or, or you can change your face um, uh, online by using this app, do you know what I mean? Like, modify, basically how to modify the way that you look you can change this about yourself, do you know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh, it's just... No. Some of those ads are quite scary because it feels almost as if they're listening into your conversations. I know. Like, how do they know about that? Because I didn't yeah, put that in an email. I know. I didn't Google I know, that. right? And it's exactly yeah. what you were thinking about. I remember there was a period there I was thinking a lot about coloured tattoos. Okay. And I hadn't mentioned wow, it to anyone. that's so weird. And I hadn't... Googled it. I was yeah, definitely yeah. remember. I would have remembered if I Googled it. And I right. started getting ads about. Oh my god! Really? Parlors. Yeah, a few things wow. happened like that. Oh, that's really weird. So it felt really trippy, and it's obviously really hard for men to open up to one another and talk about their feelings. And I think that extends to gay men as mm, well, very yeah. much so. So, what do you would you like to see? What changes would you like to see within the gay community? Well, I'd like to see more... Well, unfortunately, we've had a number of closures of mental health services in the LGBT plus community. Like PACE, there was a service called PACE that was um, operating in East London for uh, the community and it just lost all its funding and shut down. And it's that was very frustrating because it was helping a lot of people and just suddenly it went because it lost all its funding. So I think we need to invest more. I Is think that in, funding from the government? Yeah, yeah, funding from the government. I think we need to invest more in kind of specific... LGBT plus mental health services is just not enough. It's really not enough. We need to make them more visible, I think, you know, instead of hiding them away. I'd love to see more groups. I think groups are really powerful. And I've been to a few kind of gay men's well-being groups. Um, and it is really powerful when you're in a room full of other gay men and we're all kind of sharing our vulnerabilities and opening up. It's really, yeah, it's really powerful. And again, I, I just, I wish the media and even Stonewall to an extent would um, do more in this area because I mean the things like suicide in the community and overdosing and uh, it's really the, the statistics are really really shocking they really are particularly in the trans community you know the the, the rate of um, suicide attempts in the trans community is just it's it's really really shocking um, and we're just not doing enough I think we're reacting too slowly to it places where like Soho where there are a number of gay clubs if you could have a walk-in mental health service there that's open not just in the daytime but particularly at nighttime when people may be more vulnerable i think that would be really useful 
Yeah, because the statistics are genuinely really, really scary. Yeah, Just as you mentioned, particularly for trans people as well, yeah. higher again. I know. And so many of the people, so many of the gay men that I know are struggling with addiction, yeah. are struggling with eating disorder, yeah. very bad anxiety, and it seems sure. to be... It just seems to be, from my own experience, really prevalent yeah. amongst the, the gay people yeah. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, like I said, it's not enough, not enough support. So, Johnny, you recently did some body image videos for YouTube. Can mm. you tell me why you felt the need to do that? Yeah, no, I've definitely struggled with my um, body image over the years. A lot of insecurities, a lot of hang-ups, and um, find it really hard to, to talk about them, particularly with other guys and particularly with gay men actually and particularly if I've um, been in relationships with other guys I find it really hard it's really well I find it embarrassing to talk about yeah body hang-ups because I worry what what are they gonna think of me so I don't know I just I, I wanted to recently it was mental health awareness week and the theme was body image so I felt well this is a good opportunity to kind of express my insecurities about my body image and I was amazed at how many other uh, men and gay men actually uh, messaged me saying, yeah, I've got these hang-ups as well, about their weight or <laughs> things like penis size, you know what yeah. I mean? It was really interesting how many people got in touch, so I know there's a lot of people out there that struggle with, with their body image and it's just, not, yeah, I guess it's just not talked enough, uh, uh, talked about enough, I don't think. I've got a few friends who are just obsessed with the gym and kind of meal times and protein and things like that and uh, I do, I worry about them as well actually. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a, it's, a, it's a sensitive subject to really... I just don't know very many gay men who seem to be relaxed about it. No. Or that it's a non-issue. No, no Myself absolutely. Myself included. Absolutely. I'd love to see more... I talked about the um, body positive movement. I'd like to see more men part of the body positive movement who are saying, this is me and I'm okay with that. And if you're not, then tough. Yeah, no, it is a really great initiative. Mm, absolutely. Johnny, thank you so much for your time thank today. You. Thank I you. Because I imagine you are ridiculously busy. No, thank and you. And just to say that I think the work you are doing is incredible. Oh, it's really, really important and it's helping so many people. I read your book at the weekend. Oh, cool. I read it in, in two days. It was okay. great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. And it's just to hear someone talk, speaking openly about their mental health struggles, it's really, really heartening for me to, to read about and I, mm. I'm, as I'm sure it is for everyone else who read it as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you. Best of luck with all your future endeavours. Thank you. Thank you.